that's more me. I don't feel comfortable. Like I think there's more important things right now, keeping people safe than and everybody's got a different threshold for that. I'm not saying people shouldn't be running. I'm not saying people shouldn't be group running. It's just my threshold for it's more appearances. I don't feel like it's unsafe for us to get together and run right now. It perfectly follows uh, the standards. They say you can have a 50 group of 50 as long as everybody's socially distanced. But, you know, if somebody drives by and they see a group of people chit chatting it up in the parking lot and they're not two meters apart, and well, that's the Moncton Trail Running Group. They're, you know, people are tired right now. They're, you know, they're at each other and, and, you know, they just want this to be over and I get that, but I don't want that to spill negatively on this group. I don't want to be, you know, even if one person um, came to the group, uh, you know, as, as athletes, we're probably, you know, more uh, likely to, to fare better with COVID. But if somebody takes that home to a parent or a young child and who knows how that ends up, right? So it's just my person, I'm not there yet. I don't feel like I'm willing to, to say Mukden Trail Running is back together. Welcome to the New Leaf Running Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Canning, and that was Blair Mann. All right, you guys, so I'm going to start this one off a little differently than the normal. There's a lot of feelings out there right now about COVID. I get it. I miss the running community so much right now. I miss races, and I've barely been to a handful of my own crew runs over the past year. Things have really locked down here in Nova Scotia over the the past few weeks. And this conversation with Blair, we've really touched on a lot of of subjects and and feelings around the current situation which really hit home with me with everything that's been going on over the past year. We're all experiencing this thing and we just have to meet and respect other people's feelings about this situation and just we need to meet them where they're at. We're all in this together. And overall, we just need to be kind to one another. That being said, this conversation is about so much more than COVID. Blair is an accomplished ultra runner and the founder of Moncton Trail Running. One thing that is for certain is that Blair, he loves the sport of trail running but he might love the trail running community even more. Over the years, while completing many ultras, including the Vermont 100 miler, Blair has been battling some pretty extreme stomach issues, which are now preventing him from running these longer ultra distances that he loves so much. In the beginning, he found himself avoiding these ultra events just because he could no longer participate the way that he used to. But now he's focused on giving back and helping others, which has grown his love for the sport even more. The story of how Moncton Trail Runners came to be is such a great one because it really shows that when you put positive energy out into the world, the good things truly do happen. 
I truly enjoyed this conversation with Blair. It's been far too long since I've been able to meet up and run with everyone in New Brunswick and see everybody at at races, not just in New Brunswick, but here at home in, in Nova Scotia. So I have all the feelings too, but I hope that this conversation helps bring a little bit of light to you in in this uncertain uh, time. So without further ado, here's today's conversation. Blair Mann, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. This is I, I, this is awesome stuff. I am really excited about this. I watched a, a couple now and it's, it's really cool. It's, it's cool because you know the you know some of the people and some of them you don't, but they're all locals, right? Yeah, it's the idea getting to know our local running community and not just trail runners and not just road runners and not just people that are fast, just everybody. Yeah. Like the the concept is everybody's got a story to tell, and I just love learning and everybody's got something that you can learn something from. So I've been having a lot of fun doing this over the past couple of months. So I'm hoping I get to do it for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I mentioned too, it's really cool because, you know, we don't, with COVID, we really haven't had a chance to catch up with a lot of the runners that we only see at events. So uh, this is kind of another way to get caught up and see what everybody's up to. It's Yeah, it's been a big, a big hole in the past years. I haven't got to see any of the New Brunswick crowd at all. And guys like you, and I'll say a few names, not to leave people out, but like Derek and John Mark and and that crowd, and and uh, Mark McColgan, who I talked to and just put his podcast up last week. But that's really the only time I get to see you guys, unless I'm coming down and I happen to just put a like a, a note up there on Facebook. Anyone want to run and find you for the weekend? But that would be about it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's the same for us too, right? We don't we don't see the Nova Scotia crew unless we're up to a race of some sort. You know, there's not a lot of crossover there, and you know, we can't even cross the border now for an informal run the way it's going. So, uh, well, yeah, fingers no. fingers crossed. They are in talks about bringing our our bubble back. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am awesome hopeful that the general consensus is that trail running races will be a lot easier to come back than road running races. Yeah. I talked about this a little bit, but it's just, yeah, the numbers are smaller and just by nature of the, the event, like you're a lot more spread out during oh, the, yeah. the race too. Yep. I think there's the issue of the aid stations and the communal food and all that that's got to be addressed, but yeah. Well, I, the vaccines are rolling out fast too, so hopefully, uh, you know, sooner than later, uh, the a, a large percent of the population gets uh, gets a shot and and loosens things up a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful that we'll be able to at least participate in some capacity this year, and if that is just going and making a point of sharing adventures with friends that you wouldn't normally see, if we if we get our bubble back, then that that would be great too. Yep. We, if we don't, if the races don't come back, then we're just going to have to put that uh, that effort in. I think to connect. Yeah, I agree. So I'm thinking back, and I have very fond memories, uh, and I think this is the first time that we met. But it's a Waskily Wabbit race, and I want to say it was like 2016 ish, <laughs> maybe 2015. Yeah. 
But I yeah. was suffering so, so bad. We were both doing the, the 50 miler and you caught up to me on that third loop. And I just remember like you lifted my spirits so high and we kind of stuck together and hung out for, oh, it's probably the, the better part of five hours, right? Like we hung out oh, for yeah. a while. I think it was uh, almost the whole last lap when I think of it. And yeah, I think we just fed off each other suffering because I think it was your body was suffering and my stomach was suffering. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember at one point in particular, it's funny, the little things you remember, I remember you stopping, you know, take a bio break. And I just remember the bugs were like, you were breathing in mosquitoes and bugs. Oh, like I had, I said, yeah. Rick, I just got to keep moving, man. Cause I can't like, it, it's the, the bugs are going up my nose and in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. I, I have vivid memories of that. And it's like something like out of a horror film. Like I remember stopping and just being so like frantic about yeah. trying to get the bugs off, but also just, you know, trying to make sure I wasn't going to mess all over myself at the same <laughs> well, time. <laughs> well, I think while you were stopped, I was trying to keep moving and do the same thing. Like I said, I can't stop. Like I really cannot stand still because this is just too horrendous. And, you know, as you're suffering, it just, you know, it magnifies exponentially when there's bugs, you know, going up your nose. But the other thing I remember is when we made it to the cabin, the kind of the crux of the, of the loop and, and my stomach was just done. And I just remember you being able to take down like a sleeve of Oreos and I don't know if it was Gatorade <laughs> or Coke. And I was just like, you know, looking at you, like all I could get was like a thimble full of water into me. And, and, and I, I think that was where we separated and in the end, your Oreos and Coke kicked in and I had nothing. And you, <laughs> you remember you getting a second wind and zooming past me and leaving me in the dust. And, and I, did, you know, I, remember, I, you I saying, remember not wanting to, to leave you, but I think you were quite, quite. Oh, I remember pushing you like, go man, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta go. Cause this is, you know, I'm going to get in, but it's just going to be a little slower. Yeah. When, yeah. when you've spent that much time with somebody and you're both kind of <laughs> yeah. suffering, you like, it feels like you bond and then you, you really don't want to leave the other person because yeah. you've been helping each other so much the entire yeah. time. Yeah. And I, I learned that race, like kind of similar, not, not the same as, as your stomach, but that was the beginning of me learning something about my body. And that's when I spend the winter running roads, my, I'm, I may pronounce the tendon wrong, but the perineal tendon that runs along the side of the foot and wraps around the ankle. For me, that gets super tight, road running and training to run a fast marathon. And if I hop back onto trails too fast and ramp up, like running the distance on trails, just with that stability of the ankles, then that tendon just flares up on me. Like every okay. time I start back. Yeah. So now I've got a bit of a stretching protocol and things that I can do to help mitigate that. But that, oh man, that, that first time experiencing that was just awful. That took me out for a better part of a couple of months after that race, trying to rehab that. Like it was not fun. <laughs> well, I do remember it was that the, the same year you, you you got it all together and you did the the, the hundred mile effort at, at Chignecta. Was that the same year? Or was that the next year? So I, I remember I remember that was one thing that I, that I really wanted to to go to that year, and I, I I don't know why it didn't work out. I remember Derek had gone and and paced you for a lap, and and I desperately wanted to get back to Chiggy too. And I I remember something didn't work out, but I remember you got it done, and it was a pretty cool story too. 
Yeah, no, that that was the following year, maybe even the year. Uh, it must have been the following year. I'm trying. I think I I might have gone back to Vermont that year. Did the fifty okay. mile? Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah, the Shignecto must have been the year year after that. Okay. Well, that was really the last big effort I did was the that Waskley Wabbit. I didn't. Uh, that was, I think, my last longest effort. I haven't been able. That those stomach issues have persisted, and uh, you know, I still get out, but uh, not not for those uh, the big big ones anymore. Yeah. So is that all part? Like I know I was reading a bit on on your backstory. You were diagnosed with the with the colitis. Is that is the stomach uh, issues to do with that, or do you think it's just something? No, no, the, like the, the ulcerative colitis thing, that um, I'm pretty lucky with that. For the most part, it doesn't bother me at all uh, anymore. Um, you know, it was my when I was younger and not really taking care of myself. And uh, it turns out the majority of that was triggered, uh, you know, by stress more so than, you know, poor diet and, and, and you know, partying on the weekends is certainly not doing any favors with that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, no, the, the stomach issues, I, I honestly, I, I can't. I've tried just about everything. Like, you know, everybody says, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Like nobody wants to run, you know, I love that the, the big efforts and, and no one wants to run them any more than I do, but I've tried every kind of uh, electrolyte. I've tried, you know, eating less, eating more, eating nothing, eating, you name it there, you know, real food versus gels versus uh, I, I'm not sure what it is. And it's, it's, it's really strange. I'll, I'll get to the point. It's almost hard to, 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 to uh, explain to someone that I could be to the point where I'm completely dehydrated. My mouth is like glue and a frosty glass of ice cold water be sitting next to me and I can't drink it. It will not go down. <laughs> like It won't even go down to come back up. I, my body needs it, but it doesn't want it. <laughs> it's very strange. I, I you know, it turns out I, I can sit afterwards and drink like orange juice, but I can't touch water or the electrolytes or whatever it was that uh, I was drinking. And that, that does not make covering those distance pleasant or easy. No, I mean, you know, it's like a car. You can only go so far on fumes and eventually it'll catch up to you. You got a fuel, right? You can't. Eventually you're going to run out of energy and, and liquid. So if you can't get... I was going to say, not, not being a doctor or anything, but one more round of what if you could or if have you tried. I'm um, just thinking a little out in, in left field here because I've had some digestive issues myself. But have you ever considered working with a, a naturopathic doctor? Uh, that would be, you know, it's funny you say that because I said if I truly ever really wanted, you know, you know, get back into this and really make a run at it and say, you know, one more hurrah, I definitely would probably look at getting a less of a naturopath, but I would probably look more for a professional ultra running coach who, who I have seen and I've had people recommend to me before, like an ultra running coach that's a nutritionist and that, and that alone, I don't think would do it for me because I don't, I want someone who's actually experienced it to say, you know, because again, it's really hard for someone to wrap their head around. You're dying of thirst. You're, you're, you know, to the point where you're dry heaving, and someone gives you a glass of cold water and you can't drink it. Like I need to have someone that's been there. And uh, if I could find a coach, you know, and and I had, you know, I, I've never really been a person that 
as the type of person I want to invest a lot in running, I do it for fun. And then I know I don't, even now I buy like one pair of shoes a year. And it's not that I don't have the funds. I just don't want to drop a pile of money to do something that I, you know, consider a, a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sponsored. I'm not a pro. Uh, uh, I don't really want to drain my bank account to, <laughs> to get out there and, and, and enjoy an adventure. So, uh, you know, would I be interested in signing up for, uh, you know, uh, you know, two or three hundred dollars US uh, a month or something to yeah, to get to get that kind of coach that I think I would need. I'm not there yet. I don't think I'm. I'm still out having fun, enjoying myself, and supporting others. So that's probably enough for me for now. Yeah, for sure. Maybe, and I don't know what your company covers or not, but sometimes, like, just to put push on the naturopath just a little bit more because i've had good experience with that i give that can be covered in health plans sometimes yeah i think i am covered under that you know it's it's a good thing i could probably look into for sure and just and some of the things like that they can work on with you like after they get you set up and get you on a protocol like you can maintain that on your own without having to continuously be going back right so just go in and get an assessment and kind of fine-tune it and then yeah. once you got that dialed in, then you're fixed or yeah. maybe, maybe you're fixed. I don't know if they'll be able to help or not. But. Well, another, a little bit of a, the other thing I'm a little uh, a gun shy on pushing it too far is after that Waskily Wabbit race, actually, um, it was a couple days later and I hadn't, you know, we finished that on a Saturday. I took Monday, Sunday off and recovered and didn't run Monday. And I think I went for a Tuesday run at the office at my lunch run, like I normally do. And it wasn't a particularly hot day and it wasn't a particularly hard effort. I got back from that run and uh, just went to go to the bathroom, take a pee. And it was pure red blood. <laughs> I'm uh, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I did feel weird after the race. Like I was lucky enough that Colin uh, McQuaid had come up and I think it was one of his first uh, trail races as well. He's like a, a really a well-known uh, roadrunner here in New Brunswick, like probably one of the fastest guy. He probably was the fastest guy in the province at one point, like, you know, running at sub three hour marathon in Boston. Um, anyway, he, he had come with me and uh, <laughs> luckily he did because he had to drive home. I, I don't, you know, remember a whole lot of that ride home and just kind of fell asleep and woke up occasionally. And next thing you know, I was at my doorstep, but something felt weird. It was like a little off, like, you know, I pushed it pretty hard and, you know, to, to get that one done. And, uh, anyway, I had gone for a, I went to the emergency room and they had, they were concerned and sent me to, uh, to a specialist to get a, you know, I think it was a kidney scan and a bladder scope and all that good stuff. And he did, you know, he said, we didn't find anything, any, any specific damage, but he said, you did have a bunch of, of, of dye that didn't come out of your, that was still showing up on in your scan that normally we don't see unless he said, we see it quite often with boxers and stuff. <laughs> so he said there, you know, probably being dehydrated and, and, and that uh, pounding of the running with the walls of the bladder and, and stuff uh, uh, rubbing back and forth can cause damage. So, you know, there's, there's that, I don't really want to, do some serious damage trying to sort this out that kind of made me step back and say look there's there's more important things here and there's better ways to <laughs> to have fun than uh uh you know i don't, I don't really want to 
I, I guess that the trial and error thing, I, I, you can only keep trying so much with the risk of so much damage occurring. Cause some of these races I was running up to, you know, 10, 12 hours of dry heaving and <laughs> takes the fun out of it. And, oh, for sure. And again, and, you don't want to have damage when you're done. And there's absolutely no reason, like it's all just a matter of what, what your priorities are. And there is no reason why you can't be enjoying the sport of trail running. Like there, there is no prerequisite saying that in order to have fun trail running, you need to be running a hundred miles. Like yeah. sometimes with the crowds that we hang out with, you start to think so sometimes, but there's, there's a lot of joy to be had in the woods. And I don't know where you're topping out at these days, but even going out for a run, like 10 kilometers in the woods can be a ton of fun. Right. Oh yeah, no, I, I can still get out and you know spend a day on my feet, and I, I'm you know doing it in different ways. You know, pacing some people towards the end of their runs is is really rewarding, and, and uh, um, you know, volunteering at events is great. Running this, you know, doing the trail running group thing is is great. You know, there's lots lots of ways to to still uh, enjoy it, and I get out daily, and I'm always I spend a lot of time in the woods on trails this winter, uh, so. No, I'm I'm having no shortage of fun. That's for sure. Uh, just uh, I I still long for those <laughs> those big suffer fests, but it's just not a reality anymore. I think it's really amazing though that you haven't let that discourage you. Like I know that that's kind of what you're yearning for, but you found a way to still enjoy the sport. Where some people might have just gotten frustrated and said, "Well, this is just not for me," and given up on it entirely. I think it's pretty amazing that you've taken like you've taken it upon yourself when you're giving back to the community so much by helping so many other runners discover trail running and making it accessible to them with the Moncton trail runners. And you're just going out and enjoying the woods on your own terms as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate that. And then thanks. I, I, there's lots of fun to be had and, you know, I'm doing multi-day hikes and stuff's new to me. I'm throwing a pack on and going out and, finding lots of ways to stay out on the trails and uh it's it's all fun i mean to me i i have just as much fun on a a 12k run as you know a weekend in fun day i i you know i'll be running i i truly love to run there's not a day where i get up and i don't want to run and i don't want to get out that door and uh, if i miss a day my family knows it (laughs) they're like you haven't run today why don't you go for a run (laughs) so uh yeah, no. I, I think it. that's something that's pretty common with people that are used to running a lot. The family definitely knows if you haven't been out for a run, <laughs> especially if yeah. if, some, if you knock on wood, but if you end up injured and you miss a couple of consecutive days for running, then just watch out, right? <laughs> you're you're right. Yeah, they know. They can sense it. They're like, yeah, Dad, you haven't run today. Why don't you uh, Why don't you go out and come back in an hour? <laughs> we'll have a talk. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking like we haven't gotten to know each other super well over the past few years that we have known each other. I feel like the most time that I've spent with you is probably that loop of Waskily. And then we've seen each other at a couple of races. You were a nice smiling face at Capes when I came through an aid station, which is very welcome. But I think let's start at the beginning. I'm just wondering, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you ended up taking up the sport of running? Sure. Um, well, I'm first and foremost, uh, husband and dad of 
two teenagers. I work full-time for Dell, uh, so I work an IT desk job. Um, how did I get into running? Well, <clears throat> I kind of get into running, um, and then I really get into running. So uh, I guess it comes back to what we talked about earlier. I, uh, my third year university, I got um, diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I uh, got real sick, um, dropped, you know, below 100 and down to like about 100 from about 208 pounds down to about 168 pounds and uh, lost the last <clears throat> half of that school year. I didn't think I was ever going to get better. I thought I didn't know what this was. I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't know anything. Um, and eventually. You were uh, saying you know, that was a stress condition, right? Like that's- well, that, you know, they, they're, they're finding out new things all, all the time. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've heard the new, um, people talk about gut and the biome now and how it's almost like a second brain. Um, but back then this was back in the nineties. Um, so they were still thinking it was hereditary condition they thought it was based on your diet and they really didn't want to hear much else besides that. So, you know, there's some nasty ways to calm that down. They would give you a corticosteroid and, um, which, you know, is nasty side effects. You get pretty emotional, you get bloated, you get a lot of acne, um, uh, prednisone type stuff. So, you know, the, 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 the more you can manage it on your own, obviously the better. So, uh, I did get, you know, I did, I did get better. And of course I was young, I was, you know, um, you know, in university and stuff. So I'd get better and feeling better and then go back to the same, you know, living off, you know, pizza and donairs and, you know, drinking beer, <laughs> doing your weekend party thing. And, and and every three or four years, I'd wind up in the hospital again, all depleted with a flare-up. And, uh, you know, same deal, take a pre- uh, some prednisone, calm it down, get feeling strong again, and fall back into that same cycle. And that went on. And eventually, <clears throat> I think it was one summer, I was living in St. John at the time, and I spent, I think it was 26 days in the hospital. And this time, the prednisone wasn't calming it down, and it wasn't really working um, eventually it calmed down <clears throat> and I, I was, I remember laying in the hospital thinking like something needs to change. This, this, this cycle can't continue. Like, so I came out and, you know, I really cleaned up my, uh, my diet and I, I was to the point where I was, you know, no alcohol, no caffeine, no red meat. <laughs> I was like on the cleanest diet you can imagine. And, and I had always been a competitive or played sports as a kid and stuff. So uh, a lot of mostly hockey so I lived in a rank pretty much my entire life uh, so not a lot of the outdoors not a lot of running not a lot of of anything like that and when I said I wanted to start taking care of myself naturally I was like well what am I going to do I'm not obviously not playing hockey anymore um, so I started running and uh, you know a couple times a week two or three times a week I'd been going to the gym so <clears throat> that was you know I was still working out and lifting weights but I, I started dabbling in running and um, I, you know, it just, I just started to enjoy running more. I would go out the door and next thing you know, I was running from the East side of St. John to the Y working out and running home again. And I remember one day going out and I wonder how far I can run. And back then, like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, like no gels, no liquid, just throw on the shorts and shirt and go. So I, I did, kind of teach myself to run you know I didn't uh, have a coach I didn't even have anybody that I knew that ran at the time no nobody um 
but I do remember one of my coworkers and he was a portly fella and he was heavily, he had a jujitsu gym and I, he said, Oh, I ran a half marathon last weekend. I'm like looking at him like, what? And he's like, yeah, I, I, I've run a few marathons and half marathons and I'm looking at this guy and he doesn't, you know, he just doesn't look like he's in shape. He's a middle-aged fella. And uh, so I said, well, how do you do that sort of thing? And he's like, no, you just get yourself a program or work up to being able to be on your feet for a couple hours. And there you go. So I'm like, Oh, this sounds interesting. And I was living in St. John. So I signed up for the, the, I think marathon by the sea. I think it was still the marathon by the sea back then. And I ran a half marathon (laughs) and I did okay. I mean, for a while there, it was actually still my best marathon time or half marathon time. Uh, and the guy had, had trained with, uh, he said, uh, you know, you think we could do a full? And I'm like, well, maybe, but maybe next year. And he's, well, we're, we're halfway there, right? Like, why, if we, if we stop <laughs> the now, best we're going to have reasoning to... ever to keep going, right? You're, you're halfway there. <laughs> totally. Well, he's like, if, if we stop now, then we got to work our way back up to a half marathon again and then do this all over again. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. So I think the marathon by the sea was like in June or July at that time. So we, everybody, there wasn't a lot of races back then. And I remember the guy, somebody telling us the Valley half marathon or Valley marathon was a good place to do your first marathon. And so, and it was, it was in October uh, or September, October. I can't remember which. So we did, we signed up. And uh, we continued training and we did it. We suffered through it like that. You know, everybody tells you that last 10K is going to be nasty and <laughs> you don't believe them, but it was beyond nasty for us. I think we hiked hiked the majority of it, but we made it in and, and, and we got it done and I was sore for days. But so I guess kind of <clears throat> after that, I, I dabbled like I would do that every year, depending on how busy my life was or how unbusy it was. It would be a half marathon or a marathon kind of per calendar year. Um, but I, it, I don't know how I found it, but it's now referred to as the book in, in my house was I read born to run. It sounds cliche and it sounds cheesy. Well, and I think I read every that, ultra runner is, would be lying to you if they said they haven't read born to run. Right. Well, and, and I read it and it wasn't so much the, I, it was the, the stories in it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like people have been running a hundred mile races, but it was more the where, like they're running them in Leadville, like in the mountains, they're running them on the gold rush trail and, and they're running them in, in Vermont. Like, wait a minute. And I started researching these races, like for real, people have been doing this for like 25 years already. And I haven't heard of this, like, and I don't, and the other message that was really cool about that book was I remember the author wasn't a big runner. He was like, I think he had was suffering from plantar fasciitis or something. And he put on these barefoot shoes, the Vibram shoes. And, but he said, the message was, he was like, do you remember watching kids play in your neighborhood and, and run around? Like they ran everywhere but it's not like they were running, like they were just being kids. And it's like, if you can get yourself back to that, where you're just out, throw the watch away, throw the training plans away and just go out and run. And I was like, wow, you know, this is kind of neat concept. And 
I, I actually, I, I went a little foolish and I got the toe shoes. <laughs> they were hard to find at the time. I remember, uh, I don't know where I got the first pair and it, I went out and I started to really, when you put those on, you really, you have no choice, but to slow, slow yourself down. Like, you know, you're not going to go out and start sprinting in them. So it, it, it kind of taught me to be efficient with my running, but I don't know. I was just, it just changed. And when I read that book, it was like, I, I want to see if I can do these, these longer events. And I, I don't want to run fast anymore. I want to see if I can go out and adventure and push further. And I, I just started looking around for races and stuff. And, you know, being in Atlantic Canada back then, there was nothing. <laughs> I remember I found one in, uh, in Halliburton, the Halliburton forest, which is still a 50 mile, hundred mile race. And I think it was the end of, end of, um, that's right. It was the end of a racing year. And I said, I was now running the, the, the marathons in these shoes, but that year that I read the book, I think I ran three half marathons and five fulls that year. <laughs> I went from, uh, that's a busy like, calendar. Yeah. I was just, I just got the bug and I really just, all I wanted to do was run. And you know what it's like. I mean, you as well as anybody else, when you're in that mode, like, all you want to do is read about running, shop for running stuff, think about running. You're at, you're at work, you're thinking about running. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you're thinking about running. And anyway, I, I, I said, if I could run these last three marathons back to back to back, so one weekend after another, um, I would sign up for this 50-mile race the next year, which was in September. And it would give me a whole year to train for it. And so I did. And... I was amazed at how my body held up. Like I said, you know, it's kind of the, <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing because I could not run all week. You know, every, we, we all know the, the best part of this, the, the, of the stuff is, Hey, I get to go to an event and it was race day. Well, I could go to a race, take the week off, go to another race, take the week off and go to another <laughs> race. So, uh, did you run those, those three in the Vibrams? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I ran. Wow. Three, three marathons back to back to back in the, the Vibram. Like that. Yeah. I was loving the Vibrams. Honestly, I think if, if I, I remember taking the Vibrams in the woods, I take, took them out on the Dobson trail because I wanted to get into trail running. When I read about this Halliburton race, I'm like, Hey, well, I gotta, gotta get off the roads and get on the trails and they don't translate. Right. Like I was coming, I remember doing, tw- I think it was, I went out for a 10 K 10k out and 10k back and when i got back like if i stepped on a piece of gravel my feet were sore i was like okay this is not going to work but i do remember at that time this is when uh uh anton Kropischka was coming out with the mt 10s or the 110s the, the the first pair of those silver uh really minimal running shoes that had a rock plate in them i think i transitioned to those uh and started looking for minimal shoes and Knew I had to get out of the Vibrams if I wanted to get on the trails. Uh, but anyway, I I had seen this Halliburton race. I signed up. And just back then, there wasn't a lot of online resources. There wasn't much around from, you know, trail running wasn't on the cover of every running magazine. And it wasn't uh, mainstream. And it wasn't a lot of people doing it. Uh, but I do, that's where I found Jody's name. I, I was researching and I saw that he was, he was going to host a 50 mile race in Nova Scotia. I'm like, wow. Um, but I think I had found it in the spring and his race was May long weekend or thereabouts. And I'm like, Ooh, 
I'm not going to be trained for this. And, you know, but I said, I think I'm going to go and I'll learn what I don't know and see what I can tolerate. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, that was a game changer meeting Jody, as you, as you know, Jody, and he's a legend and the, and uh, everybody knows Jody from here to Europe, to, <laughs> to Tennessee and, uh, and beyond like, you know, that guy's name, you can drop it anywhere in the world. I think they know him. He's uh, he taught me a lot fast. Like, you know, he, after I went up and met him at the Waskley Wabbit and he was running that race course, he, it was um, him and Nat Couture and Bernie Doucette. And there was a whole, um, group of them that needed a, a, a 50 miler to qualify for Vermont, which then I'm like, Whoa, you guys are running 100 milers. Like people here are running hundred miles. This it's is getting awesome. a little closer to home now. Right. Yeah. The Real close to home. And, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be talking to people that have, that have, have done this. And, and I, I do remember going out for that race and it was awesome. Like, you know, it was just a handful of people going out and doing the 50 miler that day. Um, but I mean, they're still my friends today. Um, we, I remember finishing dead last. I remember Nat Couture and Jody lapping me during, during the race and those, those faster guys and Bernie as well. You know, they went on to do tons of hundred milers and, you know, those guys were even podium in, in those races for sure. Um, but there was one point in that race where, you know, just that being out there and I said, like, after six hours is where I had trained to, I'm like, I can't wait to get to six hours. Like this is at the point where I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, I, I just remember it's thinking incredible when, when you cross that threshold, right? It's, it's amazing. And you know, I, I remember where I was on the race when I crossed that. Like, I remember looking at my watch. I made it. I'm six hours in from here on out. It's like the unknown. It's adventure. This is awesome. This is what I'm doing it for. And it was so cool. And, and I, I do remember too. Uh, and, and that was really my first time on, trails per se I, I had gone out on that dobson one time to try out my vibrams and knew they didn't work oh, wait, but for the most part this you're you're jumping into 50 miler and not only were you not all that trained up you hadn't really been on the trails all that much either no, no was, this is my first trail race was, was 50 <laughs> way, way to miles. jump in head first man. <laughs> yeah. well that was it right there was nothing there wasn't a lot of races around then and this was the only one i knew about so yeah sign me up and I do remember running down one of the first hills and it was like, you know, a typical Nova Scotia race in May. There's like a, a, a creek running down the middle of the trail and it's just mud and rocks. And I remember having my headphones in. And even then, like I showed up with a leather fanny pack and a pair of you know road shoes. We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing and it was cool. Um, but I remember running, bombing down that, that muddy trail and music in my ears, like, oh, oh, this is, you know, this is, this has got me now. Like there's, I'll be doing this till I die type of thing. And I still feel that way. It's just, it, it was awesome. Like uh, to me, there's nothing like running trails. It's amazing. That's an incredible story, man. It was fun. Yeah. So I, I finished dead last, you know, in that race, but I got it done and I ended up going, my second trail race was the 50 miler in Halliburton. And that went really well. I think I, I don't know what I was 10th male at that race, but I, I didn't even notice, right. I was just so enthralled in the day. And, and if you ever get a chance to go to that race, it is something special. It's uh, it's on this private nature preserve. Uh, that's also a wolf sanctuary and you camp 
at the start and finish. And the big reason I wanted to go to that too was there's 100 milers there. And the 100 mile race was the 50 mile course twice. So you're on the tr- on the same course as these 100 milers and I'm picking their brain left and right. Any of them that I could talk to was like, oh, tell me how you do this and tell me how you got started. And and before you knew it, that I was at the finish line and and done. And and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see these hundred milers come in in the night. And and uh, you know, it was it was it was a really special place. It was really cool. And I'd love to go back there sometime. That's an amazing, amazing course. Um, it's interesting to hear because that was on my my radar when I was looking for my first fifty miler, but I ended up settling on Vermont instead. So I uh, I'm just gonna tell a little side story here and then we'll get back into that like the i just dovetailing on your born to run um i ended up getting into trail running when i was um going down the rabbit hole on google i was trying to get tips to run my first road marathon and this is a little later on on down the line than than when you started is i ended up on youtube and I found the the ginger runner. I'm not sure if you're familiar yep. with, with him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he got me with his tips to run your first marathon. But then right after that, you know how YouTube works. It just rolled right into one of his trail running <laughs> videos. Was like, yeah. This isn't a road marathon. What, what's going on here? And then like halfway through training for my marathon, I was dreaming about running in the mountains. Like the, the marathon was now a means to an end to get me to be able to run a 50 mile ultra. And I was literally brand new at running, but I was like, this is what I need to do. I need to do this now. And I need to run 50 miles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And his, his scenery is incredible in most of his videos too. That'll get you right away. Yeah. Yeah. So besides the, you probably got yourself a pair of actual trail shoes before you headed down, um, headed down to that 50 mile race. I what did, else? Yes. What else did you pick up on besides to get some shoes with some grips and some, maybe a rock plate? What else did you pick up on in between that race with Jody? Uh, gosh, what did I pick up? Um, I don't know, but I picked the brains. You know what's really funny is is the one I, I ended up running a bit with this lady. Uh, I still remember her name Kinga Mikolos because it was a, a unique name, uh, but she was you know one of the her and this group, they, they ran hundred milers like every weekend. That's what they did. Like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they lived in Ontario and they just went from hundred miles to hundred milers to hundred milers. Like her and her husband were both hundred mile runners. And to this day, like she, she taught me so many things. Like she just, you know, I didn't know what uh, salt tabs were. And she, Oh yeah, you got to get some salt tabs at the time. And, and she said, you'll actually, you know, see the, the forest get greener. Uh, when you take them, if you're dehydrated, and I'm like, what? She's like, oh yeah, your the color in perception and your color depth of your your vision actually fades as you get dehydrated. And I've heard this before. I've heard like people uh, actually going temporarily blind from dehydration. It happened uh, at one of the Riverlands races to one of the runners. He was temporarily blind in one eye because he was so dehydrated. Oh, wow. uh, but yeah, so uh, she she gave me a couple salt tabs, and sure enough, like stuff got more vibrant and. Uh, but the one thing that stuck with me, she said, she goes, there was a lot of hills in that race. And she said, you got to walk with your butt cheeks. And I'm like, what? And it took me, honestly, I thought of it every time I was climbing a hill. I could never wrap my head around it <laughs> until I read Hal, Hal Kerner wrote a book, uh, The Field Guide to Ultra Running. And I read it 
And he phrased it, you need to walk like you're trying to pee. You guys got to stick your, your, your groin way out. And that actually engages you. So if you think of that when you're going up a hill, it'll actually, I could never engage my butt to walk a hill till I finally, but for years I tried, I'm like, why did she say that? And how do you do it? And, you know, so take the pressure off your legs and, and walk with your butt. <laughs> and it was that's a big muscle group, right? Well, that's right. And the little things like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I also remember vividly one guy hiking on the course and he just looked so dead. Like he said he was done. And, and I made the mistake. I was, you know, newbie runner and I was, I was like, hey, man, you're almost there. Finish lines around the corner. And, and he's like, I'm running 100 miles. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, but he looked so bad. But I later I saw him and he I saw him later in the race and he looked like a million bucks. So like I was looking at him like, oh, wow, you could be that dead and still come back around. That, like it's not exponentially darker and darker and darker. <laughs> that is another sort of epiphany, I think, that that trail runners have like not necessarily when it happens to you the first time but the first time that you get to witness that i think is pretty mind-blowing like you can see somebody that literally looks like they could keel over any minute and then you see them a couple hours later and they're springy and they've like whole new life like they it's like they found one of those magic mario mushrooms and one up and they're back in the game right that's true. And I think, I think a lot of people that don't do these distances, uh, I, I, I think that's one of the harder parts to get their head around. They're like they, they assume that it, it feels bad and it gets worse and worse and worse and, until it is unbearable, but, but it doesn't, right? You, you, you're up and you're down all day. You have dark patches and you have light patches and you work your way through them. And I think you have to get through your first one before you understand that, that oh, these are just ebbs and flows and you're going to get through them. You're going to, you're going to encounter them and you're going to get through them. Um, but that was the first time I'd seen a guy that, you know, had that hundred mile stare and completely came back and looked like he had just started the race type of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I learned a lot that race, but, uh, um, you know, I, I think I had trained a bit more that summer too at, at, with, with Jody and, and, you know, he 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 taught me so much so fast about hydrating and uh, gear and equipment and because uh, he had been doing it. Him and Mark Campbell had been doing this this crazy stuff for years before it was even a thing. Like they were, you know, snowshoeing across Cape Breton or trying to tag team the Cabot Trail or up some Yukon kayaking race. Like these guys were <laughs> were doing this stuff before it was a thing. And uh, so he had a, he he taught me a lot fast and and he's a way you know, he was a way better runner than me. So uh, trying to keep up with him alone was, was, was really good and really um, great for training of any kind. So well, it makes that was a helpful. really big difference when somebody like, takes you under their wing, who's got more experience than you and like learning some of those key, key things like dialing in the hydration, the electrolytes, how much you should be eating. Like if you don't know that, then you're going to be pretty miserable out there. But having somebody share some of that knowledge, helping you figure out what you can't eat, how do you actually like pack the stuff on the trail so you don't have your leather fanny pack? And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure that that's making a really big difference. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's funny because I think 
Jody was running behind me one point and he, he like, he's like, I can't, I can't watch that fanny pack bounce anymore. Like you need to get yourself something else. Uh, but it was for a real long time before I actually got a pack. Like I used a hip bottle. I used handhelds. Like I did not want to go to a pack. And then I went to a pack. I'm like, wow, I should have did this a long time ago. But yeah, there's no substitute for, you know, group runs and going to events and talking to people that have done it right. That, you know, you got to, you got to do it to understand it. And you got to, you got to talk to people that have done it to learn from them. I know when I went to Vermont, I had read like, you know, I, as I mentioned, like back then there wasn't a lot of training plans around. I think I, Jody gave me his training plan from his, that he had done the year before. And like, I just read race report after race report after race report. And like, I knew what that course looked like before I got there from reading race reports. Uh, and he, a lot of people don't write them anymore. And I, I'd encourage anybody that goes to a race, write a race report. Like they are so valuable to people. You might mention one or two things that wasn't in another report that they didn't mention, but you know, five or six of these reports together are so valuable to people that are going to show up at a race and not know the terrain and not know the aid stations and not know the, this little sneaky turn here or that at nighttime, the, you know, this, this intersection is tough, but you know, pay attention to this uh, is so valuable. So um, valuable. And the other thing too is, well, yeah, it is so valuable for the person that is looking to go to that race and doing the research. Like, like even now, like I'm going to a race, that's the first thing you do is you, you search the, the race reports. You got to do it. And that's what I tell all my athletes. We got to get into the race reports, but writing the race report too is so good for the, for, for you when, when you're doing it, because it forces you to actually process what happens. And a lot of time, like during that actual act of writing the race report, you're going to relive it and you're going to remember things that you, you didn't even like remember before you started writing the report, because it's forcing your mind to digest the experience. And I guess just so valuable of a thing to go through as an athlete. And then you have a record of it so that you can go back and learn from this before you go and try it again. And then you don't repeat history. Because the, yeah. the memory erases that stuff, right? <laughs> well, it does. And uh, it's funny because I, I guess I'm a bad example because when I write a race report, they get real. <laughs> I, I call them novels. I, I, I think I said my, my Vermont race report, it took me a while to write it, but it was my first novel. And I think uh, I think it was UTMA might have been my second novel or something like that. But when I start writing, it's just it's ridiculous. I still have them up on a blog site. I can give you the link to them. Like I wrote a, a Vermont one. I think I even wrote one about capes, uh, just volunteering about at capes. It was such an amazing experience. Uh, um, yeah. I, I read yeah. your capes one and I want to get into <laughs> that in, in a little bit, but sure. I, my, my capes race report, like I, I write some pretty good novels too. They might pale in comparison to the length of yours, but I, oh, I'm still writing like 10 full like sheets of paper. Like, oh yeah. They're not short. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 again, I'm just flipping my background here because it was starting to look a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I've read a few of your reports. They're great too. I th- honestly, you can't add too much in a race report. Like if somebody doesn't like it, skip ahead, right? You know, there, there's information in there. Um, sure. People are going to add their emotions and their, their own uh, take on things, but they're really valuable. I, I'd recommend people writing them a- any chance you get after a race, no matter how small or, or big the event is, they're good. 
Well, I, I do think for, for every race that, that you go to, you should do a race report. And you don't need a, a super novel for all of them. Like if it's not your, your A race, like you should be pretty invested in like your big goal race race report. But you have something that you can learn from every race that you go to. And you should write it down and you should process it. And why not post it? Because that's such a help and such a service to the running community. Yeah, I remember even uh, my uh, not finishing uh, one of my big A races. I mean, there's more than one, but in particular, and I was pretty down in the dumps when I came back. And I, I do remember, I think it was Bernie Doucette, uh from Fredericton. He's like, you know, I'm waiting for your race report. I say, I don't think I'm doing one this time, Bernie. I'm pretty down about not finishing and stuff. And he's like, no, look, he goes, those are so valuable. Uh, if you prevent someone else from going down and having the same trouble you, like, please write your report. And and I'm glad he, you know, kicked me in the butt and I ended up writing it anyway. Um, so even, you know, pass, fail, good experience, bad experience, write it down, get it out there. It's, it's a huge asset. So let's dive into Vermont 100. Like Vermont's got a pretty special place in my heart. I love it there. I've only run the 50 miler. I think I've been down, I've run that event twice and I find it's a really good proving ground for me. Like it was, it was my first 50 miler and I loved it. Like from a kind of a sadistic point, like I've talked about it a couple of times on here. But I, I ended up running it with the flu and I just wouldn't take no for an answer. Like I had trained so hard for it and I was going to finish no matter what. Um, but I feel like I had more like to give in that race. Like I was really proud of the finish, but I didn't feel like, you know, I got like what I was capable of doing yep. out of that. Yep. Um, so a couple of years after that, I was able to go back and I got a really solid training block in. And it's kind of something to flip that switch and get to your first ultra where you're actually thinking about trying to actually race it. Like your your goal isn't to finish anymore. Your goal is to, well, how fast can I do this? Yeah. And when you line up like that, you're taking some more risks. And unfortunately, that one didn't go quite as well for me like my uh, it band went at 50k because i yep. was but it, like i was feeling fantastic like, i thought i was going to have like the day of my life out there like things were clicking things were going well and then i stopped at that 50k aid station and started running and it just gone and i finished i hobbled it in it was Character a very building. long 30k <laughs> but i got her done um, but yeah, Vermont has got a special place in my heart. It's a beautiful race, beautiful terrain. Um, it's, it's a different race than the hundred miler, right? Like it's sim, it's in the same area. Like it overlaps yeah. with a lot of the same course. Um, it is a pretty like runnable course. Like for the most part, it's not super technical. Are there bikes on that course too at the same time? The, the 50 miler goes with the mountain bikes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's wild. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's kind of fun, like leapfrogging with these guys. Like you yeah. think that the, the bikes would be way out ahead, but no, they, they, you catch them on the uphills. Yeah. They got to hop off their bike and hop up the hike up those mountains, just like you, but they got to push the bike and then yep. they're catching you and bombing down past you on the downhills. But you, 
actually doing a fair amount of leapfrogging with them, which is kind of fun. You probably get them on the technical stuff too. Some of them aren't so nice when they're bombing down behind you. Like I have no problem moving out of the way, (laughs) but if someone's not like giving me a good warning that they're coming, like that's like, it's got to be safe. Yeah, no, that'd be really cool. I, I don't think I've ever been on a, uh, well, I shouldn't say, I, one, one, once I ran a race that had mountain bikes on course, but that, that's pretty neat. I've done two now, like Bromont 100 has uh, mountain bikes as well. Anyways, oh, okay. Let's get back to, so what was Vermont 100 like for you? Is this your first 100 miler? <clears throat> that was my first 100 miler and the only 100 miler I was uh, successful at, so it will always be special to me too. Um uh, you mentioned expectations. I, I think I think that's one. It's a slippery slope, right? Um, I think expectations complicate what we do for fun at times. <laughs> like it's so easy to quote your first time when you don't know what you don't know and 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 be successful, and then you put pressure on yourself, and and it can really it's a slippery slope, right? You got to have goals and you got to have uh, you know progression. But um, so yeah, it, it it was. I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> All I knew was these race reports. It just looked amazing. Um, I got real lucky um, in that Jody uh, would, was going to pace me. Like that was unheard of. I, I can't remember how that went down. I just remember him not. I don't know if it was Corinne was going to pace somebody and he was going too. And I'm like, well, who are you pacing? I assumed like he was pacing somebody and he wasn't. And I'm like, wow. Um, if you wanted to pace me, I'd be, I'd love to have you pacing me. And he's like, sure. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I just, I, I like won the lottery instantly right there. Cause I mean, he'd run it the year before and knew all about it. And, you know, he, he knows what he knows and he's, he's <laughs> amazing at this kind of thing. So um, that alone, you know, having that confidence that uh, I got to make it to mile 70 and then I got Jody uh, to help me in from there. Um, my wife came along too, and, and she had never done anything or crewed for anything like this, and she was going to crew. Um, but there was uh, quite a few runners for, that were going that year. Like, I think um, Nakatour was there, Chad McNamara was there, Steve, uh, his last name's escaping me. He had a pretty incredible story too, because he he was late qualifying, and he had to have a qualifier like not even like a month before or something like that. He had to go run the Wasley Wabbit course. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Steve was there, Chad was there, Nat was there, Mark Campbell was there, I was there, and I think Bernie Doucette was running the hundred k. So there was there was a handful of us that were heading down. So there was some familiar faces. But after reading all these race reports. It was just so surreal to be there and to go to this field where everybody was camping and similar to the Vermont uh, mountain bike race. And, and of course, everybody's heard the Western States story where horses, it was a horse race. Cordy Ainsley got off his horse. The horse was lame and he walked there, ran the course to finish. And that's why there's belt buckles and everything. Well, Vermont still has horses on the course, which is, is really cool. So it's a horse race. You're, you know, they start later in the day, they have to take mandatory breaks, but the horses are out there uh, with the riders on the course at the same time. And what a beautiful area. Like, you know, you, it's, it's the same area as the 50 miler, just these old country roads, and these sprawling countryside, there's nothing flat. Everything's up or down. Up or down. Uh, but just being on that whole whole thing was so uh, 
amazing for me just to, to, to be there at night and to see these things that I had read about the glow sticks and the trees and the water bottles lit up and the aid stations upon aid stations were incredible. Uh, there's a lot of them there, but like there's famous one called Margaritaville where there's cheeseburgers and beer on the course. <laughs> and they, they, they have contests there. they try to outdo each other and all the, the aid stations and it's pretty incredible. But I, w- I would recommend anybody to go run that race. It was awesome. Yeah, similar I, experience with the the 50 miler. Like the aid stations were pretty incredible. Like each one you rolled into was like its own little party town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's just so many of them. Though. Like I think I, I had a handheld for that race. That was it. Like I didn't, you don't need to carry anything. Like it's, it's just aid station upon aid station. And they're, they're really, you know, they're all, majority of them are runners and, and they all, uh, uh, I later understood that the big one, uh, Camp Ten Bear, that you hit twice uh, at late in the race, is um, it's all run by the Tark uh, Trail Animals Running Club out of Massachusetts, and they're a big. Uh, I had been down to a couple of their races too, and they're an amazing group, and uh, they, they're responsible every year for that one aid station. But it was uh, the unique thing about that race too is they weighed you. Um, I was super paranoid about. I was super paranoid because I remember Jody telling me the year before that he lost a pile of weight on course and they sat him down and they made him wait until he gained the weight back and took some uh, calories and liquid. And uh, I thought I'm going to be on the, the, just on the fine line of being able to finish this thing. So I was really worried about being sat down and I had gone out for quite a few, I had gone out, on quite a few uh, uh, training runs and lost a pile of weight. Like I didn't, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been good at eating and drinking while I ran. So I was quite paranoid about that. <laughs> I remember uh, the night before the race, before the weigh-in the next day, eating next to nothing. I didn't want to eat anything and drink anything. And I went with just like the s- smallest t-shirt and the lightest pair of shorts and the lightest pair of shoes and hopping on the scales. Say, this is my threshold. This is, you know, I want to go in weighing as light as I possibly could. And then they have this amazing meal there. Uh, it's like unbelievable buffet. And I remember eating pounds and pounds of food and pounding the water to myself. I'm sure I was up 10 to 12 pounds going on the course that I could afford to lose and then think that I hadn't lost any weight whatsoever. <laughs> so that was one thing I was really worried about. And back then, as well, I, of course, had the belt buckle on my mind. And back then, you had to finish under 24 to get the buckle. There was no buckle if you were between 24 and the cutoff or whatever, 36 hours. You didn't you didn't get one. And I was worried about That's finishing. Harsh. <laughs> it is. It is harsh. I was worried about finishing. But then I was like, you know, if I want to run 100 miles, I really like to have that buckle. I had, you know, I had, I had Jody's in my hand and felt it. And I had read about all these races that have buckles. I was like, I really love to have one. So, but that's a tall order, hundred miles under 24 hours. And I was like, forget that out of your mind. Just get to the finish line. Actually the, the, you know, all day it was get to Jody, get to 70 miles. And then you're, you know, then you're with somebody, you got a pacer and, and you should be able to get in from there if you can still move. Um, but yeah, the day unfolded well, I got to Jody. I remember getting real sleepy, um, after I got to Jody, I uh, think it was kind of like a false summit. Oh, I'm, I've made it 70 miles. I still got a shot at a buckle. Um, and then like these, the, the sleepies took over. I like, 
And I remember at the time I had young kids and I was used to sleeping like five hours interrupted sleep a night, like two hours sleep, wake up for an hour, three hours sleep, and then go all day and do that for days on end. And I'm like, I'll never get tired in a race, like sleepy tired. I'll get physically tired, but I'll never get tired, tired. And man, it was tired. Like I never felt before. I was like, I like Jody, my eyes are, eyeballs are popping out of my head. And he's like, Oh, here, take a couple of these caffeine tabs and, and, you know, him being smart enough to have them. And I didn't, and, um, they brought me around and, but that was my first real experience with running through the night. And, uh, that was pretty cool too. But, uh, yeah, you know, having him at the end and, and, and I, all I remember is wanting to get through to the end and see that pink neon, they have a pink neon finish sign. And, and I, I remember being so tired that I, I didn't even look up at the pink thing. <laughs> I just got through and, you know, thank Jody and high five, you know, hugged my wife. And then it was just, I just needed to lay down. I, I remember, I think he has video footage of me, just him, you know, with the video on me saying, how you doing at the, in the late stages? And I didn't even want to talk to him. I just said, all I wanted to do was lay down on a cot. <laughs> But got it done, got the buckle, and it was an amazing experience. And uh, I'll never a day I'll never forget for sure. Well, it's another incredible story, man. You uh, you touched on uh, something at the beginning of that, and through the kind of in the middle of that story that I want to dive into a little bit, just because I think it's really important. Is this idea of expectations and? You, you caught on to something there where, yeah, that you had this sort of pie-in-the-sky goal of getting in under 24 hours, but you needed to kind of put that out of your head and just focus on the task at hand. And this is something that I've, I've talked about before a little bit to you, is that this is something that I struggled with a lot when I was first getting into running just because of my background in competitive paddling and sports. I always put a lot of pressure on myself to go fast and do the best that I can, but I always like set the bar high. And if I didn't meet those expectations, then I like felt like less of myself and thought that others like wouldn't like me as much. And all this, like all these things were going through my head. Right. And it's not a good spot to be when you're lining up for a marathon or you're lining up for a hundred miler because as you learn the hard way like you made a, you make a lot of really dumb decisions when you're focused too much on the time that you're going to finish in well it, it, it's that and and you got to take a step back and like we're not pros we're not you know you know maybe somebody has a minor sponsorship but we do this for fun right like you got to you got to check yourself and say if this isn't, you know, why am I pushing myself so hard? Like, this is supposed to be fun. It's got to be fun. If you, you know, if, if we're taking the fun out of it, watching minutes and seconds, and and you know, never taking a day off training, like, why are we doing it, right? Exactly. And the really interesting thing is, is when you allow that space in your brain and you take the pressure off. Like like you said, it's really important to have goals. You need to point yourself in a direction. But when you're able to take that pressure off, that you actually do much better in training. Training becomes so much more fun. And you actually start doing better at races because you're Absolutely. focused on what matters and you're less worried about the time, right? It's funny you say that because... Um... 
the only podiums I ever got on in my life. Uh, thanks, Ellie. <laughs> I told her, come turn a light on. I was fading out on you here. Um, one of the, the only times I ended up on a podium, like in second or third place, I, I not even, I think the best I've ever done is in third place is one is after I've had these stomach issues and I showed up at a race and I said, you know, I'm just going to, and my whole focus was, I think a couple of them were like two lap races. I said, I'm going to go out the first lap and I'm going to be so conservative that I don't want to feel sick for that second lap. And I got out there and I was so conservative, like, I mean, almost like dead last for the first lap. And I got out there feeling so good and just rocking out the second lap and passing all these people. And it was from that whole thing. Like I, if I had to showed up and said, I want to finish third place, I never would have finished third place or I never would have had a good result. But I went out and said, I just want to, make it to the second lap feeling good was the whole expectation that it just unfolded from there. And I was having a blast and it was amazing. Like some of the best race ahead had had zero expectations other than not throwing up. (laughs) Well, that's well, besides the not throwing up part, but you, you hit the nail on the head is you came up with a game plan of something to focus on, which was going to turn the tides on your race. Like you, you found what matters to you, what matters to your success at that race, and you executed on it. And that led to you hitting the podium, right? Yep, exactly right. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just take those expectations away. And sometimes you just got to, again, check yourself and say, my whole goal is right, just go and have some fun. Like, I'll, I'll take the day as it comes. And if my legs are alive, I'll run. If my legs are dead, I'll hike. Like, you know. It's got to be fun because if it's not fun, you're not going to continue doing it. You're not going to continue training. You're not going to look forward to the next event and you're going to be kicking yourself and beating yourself up. Like you said, you know, you're wondering if people are going to like you or you're, you're, you're beating yourself up and you're disappointed in yourself. And and there's no need of that. Like we do this for fun. You gotta, you gotta have fun. Yeah. Like b- before I got this figured out um, like I'd be, I I really do enjoy like the the running club and that that atmosphere, but like you you tell some people in in your run club like what your marathon time goal is, and then you're all lined up at the start of your your marathon. You're wondering, well, what if I don't make this time? I told these people this is what I'm going for. Like they're they're not going to like like they're they're going to think less of me if I go show back up at our next club run if I don't do it. Yeah, but the they don't care. <laughs> no. no they're happy to have you they're just happy you, right? to like, they're happy to come and support they're happy that you're going out and and doing your thing and that yeah. pressure is all internal yeah i agree yeah it's just it's such a it's such a mind game and i think a lot of people go through that especially like on the road scene like if there's like lots of people in your group that have been to like the Boston marathon or maybe in the trail scene where you, you feel like you're not going to belong until you run a 50 K like it's not how it works. Like you just got to show up and you got to have fun. It's not a contest, right? It's not it's, a contest. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like, again, I, I, if, if, if that was the case, like, you know, I, you know, as well as I do that there's nothing, nothing more welcoming than the trail running and the ultra running community. And their only thing they want to do is help you. I've never met anybody disagreeable. I don't think on any uh, course I've ever been on any race I've ever been to, you know, 
people, uh, that's one of the best things about this, uh, the trail running and the ultra running community is they just, they want to help. They want to meet you. They want to experience time on the trail with you. They want to learn about you. And they, they, they are so dedicated to helping you succeed and, you know, complete and, and, strangers that you've never met before. Like, absolutely. They just yeah. take it upon themselves that they make yeah. it their mission that you are going to finish this race and they're yeah. going to help you do it. It's really incredible. It's amazing. It, it really is. And, you know, and, and in some of these crazy longer, longer um, ones that we do have read that, you know, they, they say there's bonds created that are similar, you know, not, not, not to sound, I, I'm not trying to make them sound like life and death experiences, but they say that the bonds are similar because of the amount of time and suffering and the circumstances that you're going through. You know, we, we know we're not going to die out there. And obviously, but uh, they say the bonds are quite strong from some of these longer, uh, more suffer fests that you go through. It's just, it's like you exponentially increase the, the, the bonds on the course that, that you would normally probably take so you know, months or like years in- to create. In in normal day to day with with people, like you just don't have that shared suffering, and no. you like that's why like I felt like we were pretty close. Like after we suffered together for an yeah. entire loop, like <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how long it was, but I think it was probably like a fifteen hour day for me or something. It was a long fifty miler. Yeah. It was long, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we yeah we were certainly out there on our feet for a while we got our money's worth i like we to say totally got our money's worth on that one but like, <laughs> yeah we shared a lot of suffering and like yep. i feel like anytime i see you now i'm quite happy to to see you say yeah. hi and yeah i think that was like our, our first time we met perhaps i, I yeah it, might it, be, it yeah. was yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and then you just yeah you're just friends yeah, now we're <laughs> friends yeah <laughs> Just like that. We threw up together. <laughs> we threw up together. Yeah. You you swatted the flies off me while I was right. having a bio break. <laughs> yeah. Some some class act bonding there. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's flash forward a few years and I want to dig into your Capes experience in 2019 because there's so many stories that are coming out of Capes that are about you. And I find that this is really incredible considering that you didn't actually run the race. You were there and you were volunteering and you were pacing. But like, there's so many stories of like how Blair Mann saved my race. I was coming into this aid station and he completely turned my day around. Like, so I want to hear like, one, what, what drove you to go to this race and, and pace and volunteer? Like we kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but let, let's, so why, what was your plan? Like, why, uh, why did you want to do this? Well, starters, that's, that's very kind. And I don't think there's stories about, about me either. There's story, people's stories that involved, uh, <laughs> you know, me, me being alongside to help out in a bit. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, some of these efforts from, from people on that weekend were amazing. And I don't know what it was about that event. Um, I've never, it's probably the, mo- the most memorable event I've ever been to. And I didn't like say, I didn't run the event. It was just, I don't know if it was the, that obviously it was, it was amazing event um, that I knew, it's not often you go to a race and you know 60 to 70% of the field. Like I knew if I didn't know who they were, I probably knew most of the, knew them by name, at least of, of some of the people out there. Um, 
but of course it was directed by Jody and, and Corinne and Lori and, and, you know, I, I've known Jody and Corinne since the day we started this stuff. And, um, I don't, I don't know anybody that's, that's uh, directed more races than them. So I was sure when they put together a hundred miler, you know, sometimes when you, when you, when you go to a hundred miler, you're like, Oh, it's the first year for the event. Mm, should I sign up or should I not sign up? But you knew it was going to, they were going to knock it out of the park, right? They've been directing races probably for years. Some of the only races around here, uh, not to leave out Sean McArdle for sure. And in, in PEI, he was doing this for a long time too. Uh, but you know, they know what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know what it was about that race. Like it was just from the second I arrived there, there was like this energy. It was just, you know, I was catching up with people that I hadn't seen forever. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to be part of the event. There was no reason, real reason for me to be there. Um, I, I was going to pace Luke LeBlanc was my, you know, I had, um, I know a, a lot of the runners around here, but there's very few of them that I can keep up with anymore. <laughs> Like Derek dropped me like a bad habit in, in Riverlands. He was, I mean, he was running for a podium. He was running for second place and he was running from Tim McDonough, which was a cool story in itself. But uh, I was pacing Derek and, and, you know, I saw his head like go out of the, out of the distance and he had, you know, I, I was running 40 miles that day and he was running a hundred and I couldn't keep up with him. He was running hills. He was possessed. Uh, so I told him, you know, that's probably the last one I'll be able to, I remember us going over it thinking, uh, I remember him saying, oh, you know, it's come on down. I said, I don't think I can do, you know, two laps, Derek. And he's like, oh, I'll be hiking most of it. Uh, I'm sure I'll be doing the dead dead man's march or the death march in. And no, uh, that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> he was just crazy. I would come into the aid stations after him and they'd think that I, you know, it was the opposite, that he was pacing me. And uh, <clears throat> I was the one who needed help. Uh, but so... Um, uh, another runner that I know from Moncton, who's more my pace, uh, who's an excellent runner. He, he's might be the toughest runner I know mentally. He never, we talk about those dark patches going up and down. He doesn't, those don't even factor in. And it's just, it's not that he's this crazy, tough, macho guy. He's just so loves it so much and is so level headed and is just so mentally strong that he doesn't get to those points. Like I asked him at, I think after the event, is there was there a point where you didn't think you would make it? No, like, no, it didn't, didn't cross my mind at all. Like, you know, how many times are you running even just like a, a 25 or a long run? And you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this today type of thing. And he just doesn't get there. So uh, I offered a, to, to pace him. I said, you know, I'd really like to go. I'm going to volunteer anyway. And, you know, if you want to so pace. Who I mean, was this? Sorry. By the uh, Luke LeBlanc. Okay. Luke, I thought for some reason I wasn't sure if it was still Luke that we were talking about. So it's Luke. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll fast forward later is I went to pace Luke and I ended up pacing somebody else in, uh, but it was Luke that I was going to pace. So I was going to go volunteer and I, I didn't even know where I was going to go volunteer. I just said to Jody, I'm coming. Um, I plan to be here all weekend. So put me to work, uh, wherever you need me. I'm happy to help out in any way I can. And, but I do need to be available to pace Luke in for the night. Um, so, like I said, even just getting there, seeing so many people I hadn't seen in so long and catching up was awesome. Uh, I think I had a tent next to Bruno Richard, who I hadn't, uh, or Bruno Hache, <laughs> uh, that I hadn't uh, seen forever. And, you know, I was up having a beer with Chad uh, and Tanya and Jody and Corinne that night that I hadn't seen them in a while. 
Um, and, you know, from there it was just, uh, I think Jody had, had asked me to, uh, uh, to go to, I think it was, is it the, is it Big Ball? I can't, yeah, I, I you, don't even you know. Were, you were at Big Ball, the cabin, right? Like the. It was one of the cabins. I couldn't remember if it was Arch Gulch or Big Ball. I don't remember. It was the 60 some kilometer mark. I remember. Um, anyway, it was, it was great. I was there with, uh, Lori Curry's, uh, uh, I think wife and daughters there. So I had met, I hadn't met them before. Um, and what a day, like even them driving in was, <laughs> they, they put my driving skills and, and, and shamed me driving in there. Cause that was quite a ride. I didn't think you could drive in to those places and that's pretty, pretty rugged terrain to, to drive in. But as we're driving in, of course, we're passing runners and seeing what you guys were running on too was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that was my first opportunity to, I guess, be at an aid station. I've, I've been at aid stations before, but for like portions of the day or for part of the race, uh, but to be at, at, at that aid station for the first runner and the last runner to come through that for, I think everybody that was doing a hundred K and a hundred miles came through there that day. And I think maybe the 50 Ks didn't come out there. But it was, that and alone was pretty amazing to, to talk, to be able to see and talk to every runner going through was just beyond amazing. Like, again, if, if you ever get the chance to do that, anybody out there, you know, it, it's so rewarding. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 I was out there for the day and then I came back. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's stop there for a minute because, like, things were really, really hot. That, that <laughs> yeah. afternoon and you were at a point where you must have been seeing a lot of carnage come through because people were getting cooked before they were coming to that aid station myself included like we were uh, we were exposed was. on these service roads like we weren't in the in the woods at the, like the hottest point of the day in august and like i just remember like we were getting roasted oh, and yeah. There must have been some real carnage rolling through the aid station. There was a lot of carnage. And honestly, um, I kind of never, I, I didn't really realize when it, where we were posted at, at, you know, that's a kind of a crux point. You're almost to 70K your day. You're about a little over halfway through, right? And you know how that feels. But yeah, you're right. It, that the, the, You guys had cloud cover all morning and it just started to burn off at the wrong time of the day. Right in the heat of the day, that 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 cloud was gone and... I remember early on getting reports uh, uh, that that Colin McQuaid was suffering quite badly. Uh, he was really like people were coming and saying, "Hey, there's a guy not far down the trail that's you know he's he's on the side of the trail. He's not looking good. And he's not feeling good, and he's he's out of water." And I'm like, "Oh, you know that's that's not good." And I knew it was his first hundred mile attempt too. Um, so it was a big part of me that wanted to blast down the trail to find him. But I said, "Well, you know." Uh, that's not going to do him any good and, and me any good. He's got to get here if he wants to, you know, get fixed up because I can't carry enough to to fix him up anyway. So, and if you were to help him, he'd be DQ'd, right? So, it, it, true enough, right? So I, you know, I we had no choice but to wait for him. I think that was the first, you know. But again, people were coming in, and the same deal, you know, they were dizzy, they were dehydrated, they had a lot of people had run out of water. Like, and I, that was the, the, the story of the day is like, oh man, I've been out of water for hours. Like I've been out of water for hours. And like you well, say, it just, it's just got so unexpectedly hot. Like it, yep. and it happened so quick. Yeah. Like there, there was no gradual, like the clouds just disappeared and you were roasting. 
And yeah. That was, and it just happened to be oat exposed, no tree cover, and kilometers upon kilometers of service road ahead. And it was after you'd already gone through, at least in my experience, we'd already gone through the aid station. Yep. And we just had this long stretch to get to you and we were just getting cooked. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, I was, I, I benefited from everybody was suffering when they see me. So I could have just handed them like anything and they would have been happy. So maybe that was it that all these stories came out. It was just, it was just me giving them water from the, from the aid station. Right. I, I think anybody was happy to, to see a, a familiar face and to, uh, to get anything at that point, they were just dying for, I do remember we had, um, uh, it was, it was really smart that they had these giant, um, I don't know, we call them the fish Tupperware thing, these giant Tupperware, not Tupperware, but plastic things of fish uh, uh, snow, like ice. And, and we had that for our coolers and that, that saved so many people. I'm like, look, don't eat this or drink it because it's from a giant fish bin, but yeah. put it on your neck, put it in your hat, get your, get your body temperature down. And again, I, I've, I've had the misfortune of, uh, doing my fair share of suffering out there and knowing what helps and what doesn't and, 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 you know, being in that position. So it was, you know, whatever I was able to do and get them in the shade and get them sitting down. And, you know, I, I was trying to not let them leave without, I've, I've done that before too, is come in and, you know, gorge down a pile of water, a pile of food and, you know, zoom down the trail. And next thing you know, it's all coming back up. So I was careful to keep them. Sorry. keep them as long as I could. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry. But I think like there was so much uh, value in the fact that you had experienced that before. So you knew how to help these people when they were coming in with the specific problems they were having. And I think the stories came out of not only were you helping them like physically, but I think you were doing a lot of brain surgery on people. I think there were people coming in that weren't feeling so good about themselves, 60K into their 100-mile debut and wanting to pass out from heat exhaustion and just being absolutely crushed, having no like faith that there's how, – how can they go another 100 kilometers if yeah, they're feeling yeah. like this right now? So I think you did perform a lot of brain surgery on people. Well, you, you know, just you just remind them get get to the next aid station is all you have to do, and you know the night night's gonna come, it's gonna cool off, and you know it's you got you got a lot of time, so hike hike it out and take your time in the heat of the day and make up your time when it cools off type of thing. And yeah, you're right. Just you know, sometimes all you need is as is a reminder to simplify it, and when when you feel like the wheels are coming off, it feels like it's the end of the world. But it's you know, check yourself. There's lots of time. There's lots of you know, aid station to aid station, right? Yeah. I think one thing too is, yeah, some people don't realize that when the race is, is that long that you can take time to fix yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, you it, take time to lay down, have a little sleep if you need to, right? Oh, I did in that race. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and sometimes you need that, right? You need just need a complete reset, like lay down, have a little sleep, or even if it's 20 minutes, like, you know, the, you'd be surprised at how far 20 minutes will take you. It takes that uh, burn out of the, the eyes and you wake up refreshed. And sometimes you know, it can reset the stomach too. Like just exactly. Digestive yep. system, a little break. And yep. 
Yep. Twenty minutes can work a lot of miracles. Well, even if you you know guzzle a a bit of liquid and lay down for twenty minutes and let it absorb rather than pushing down the trail right away too, it helps. Yeah. So you put in a full day out in like thirty plus degree heat out at the cabin, saving a bunch of races. What time? um, So what what was going on with your runner? Were you getting uh, well, updates he, on him he, while you were out there? Or what was- uh, I, I hadn't because I knew, I think I did the math and I knew we'd probably be in, you know, around the time he was getting in. And I, I think I had his, his wife on text, you know, I said, let me know how things are going. And I think it was going well. And uh, I do, I know I got back and uh, I had time to take a sleep, but I remember going to lay down and just couldn't sleep. I was just too excited, right? You know, and I didn't want to miss my runner. So I didn't sleep. I kind of just hung out and I was uh, seeing so many people come through, you know, I wanted to, to chat with them and, you know, um, help wherever I could around the, the main aid station there, the home base, the farm. So I did that. Um, and then it was, I guess, time to go out to the turn because I was going to do the, the, the back. There was that final out and back with, uh, um, I went out to the turn with uh, uh, Luke's wife and I think there was, I think it was Patrick, Patrick's wife was there. I don't know that either came out or it might've been uh, Colin McQuaid's wife. Anyway, when I got out to the turn, <clears throat> we sat down and realized there were going to be a little while. Um, but I had heard at that point, um, Pat was messaging his wife saying he was done. He was out there and he was probably not going to finish. He was having one of those lows and, and I knew Luke wasn't in yet. So I said, Hey, you know what, why don't I, why don't I hike out and get Pat? And, you know, if he comes in, we can fix him up and get him on his way. And I said, if I bump into Luke, I can't miss him. So I'll either, you know, meet up with him first or he'll catch us. So it turned out I was able to go out and get Pat. And by the time I got to him, he was feeling better anyway. So I, I, I hiked um, or ran Pat out to the turn and he must have uh, continued on his way. I think he was just leaving when I was coming in with Luke. Uh, and Luke was with Dwayne uh, Olson. Uh, Derek's father-in-law, who was running his first 100-miler as well. And honestly, Luke and Dwayne looked like they were fresh as daisies. They were having no problems. They were just, and the two of them together were just feeding off each other like that. I, I, I still say it was, uh, I, I always joke with Dwayne because Dwayne's a pretty, he was a pretty gruff fella. And uh, he had suffered a lot, even in some shorter races. But him with Luke the two of them were laughing and having a good time. And I said, Luke's uh, mental positivity and strength was rubbing off because we ended up leaving. I left with uh, Luke and Dwayne. And um, again, I I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. Like everybody's upbeat. And uh, selfishly, (laughs) I was saying with my stomach issues, when I, when I get out on race courses, um, the best part about pacing is now I get out there at night when all the good food comes out, all the hot, uh, the quesadillas and the bacon comes out and the grilled cheeses and the soup. And normally I'm like, you know, give me a thimble full of water and I'm on my way cause I can't stomach any of it. So I thought this is great. I got two runners in awesome shape and I'll be able to enjoy snacks and a sunrise and we'll all high five and this will be great. Uh, but we got, uh, I think the sun was coming up. And uh, we seen a runner laying on the side of the course, and I'm like, "Uh oh, hopefully they're, you know, conscious and they're or they're just having a a, a break." And sure enough, uh, they were getting to their feet when we got up to him and realized it was Pat 
Patrick LaSalle from Moncton here, and he was running his first 100-miler. Uh, so his quads were completely shot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you've probably been there maybe that with the, he couldn't even go downhill, right? I'm like, okay, you're going to laugh at me, Pat, but you're going to have to go downhill backwards or sideways or something like, you know, you got to get down this hill. And he just was really suffering. Uh, and Luke and Dwayne were kind of starting to get ahead now. Uh, so, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't stop to ask Luke, hey, you mind if I, you know, I'm sure he would, him and Dwayne were off doing fantastic. I said, worst case scenario, I know I came to pace Luke, but if Luke gets in trouble, Pat and I will stumble upon him anyway, and we'll all come in together. So uh, it's, it's at that point, I kind of said, well, look, I guess I'm pacing Pat in <laughs> from here. I'm just uh, trying to do the most good. That's... Well, he needed help. He was by yeah. himself. He needed help. And, you know, anybody would have did the, the same thing. And, and with Luke and Dwayne that were just on autopilot singing and laughing and joking, and they were having a blast. They, they didn't need me. In fact, they might have even dropped me at that point. So um, anyway, so I, I worked with Pat and, and uh, I think you were probably out there during that cold, cold rain in the morning too, were you? Uh, it was borderline hypothermic. That. Well, that's, that was, yeah, that was my worry with Pat is, is we got to the point where he was shivering pretty good. And I was thinking, I'm going to, you know, have to, if, if things don't change here, I'm going to have to take off my stuff and put it on him and, and hope that we can get him moving and warmed up. It's just, it was um, a so. rough, it was a rough go at it then because like, you're so depleted at that point in time. And even yeah. with like the waterproof coat and like the temperature just, it just dropped. It lot. dropped hard. And yep. then when, like, you still get wet, like, with that waterproof shell. And yep. like, just being so depleted, you're not really moving fast enough to generate that much body heat. No. And, like, it's just such a mental battle at that point because you're just so miserable. Like, you want to stop and stew in your misery. But if you know that you sit down and stop, that your race is over because oh, you're yeah. just going to get hypothermia and you're going to be done. Absolutely. So I guess that, that was probably the 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 point where I thought, I don't know if we're going to get him in or not, but anyway, he, it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was the timing actually that, that got us through is it, it stopped raining right at the point where I thought he was going to go hypothermic. It stopped raining. And when it did stop raining it, the temperature shot back up again. And uh, I think we got pretty lucky there, but yeah, we got, we got in and he suffered. He, he, he was, he kept moving, kept talking to him and uh, you know, he, <laughs> again uh, you, you see people in that situation and you know how they're feeling and uh it, it's pretty fun you know it's, it's pretty special i remember coming in i remember myself coming in over the finish line with him and let him run down the chute and going over to the side and just myself crying like a baby thinking you know i, I wasn't I wasn't even racing, but it was just such a positive experience. To, and of course, I hadn't slept in about forty or fifty hours. So I was you, you were up just as long as the runner, if well, not longer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know how you get emotional, and and I would, I think, cry to the drop of a hat. Then, but yeah, I was pretty happy for him, and uh, to get to the finish line and see him make it through, it was, and to be a part of that was pretty awesome. And I knew Luke had gotten through, and you know, I still felt bad for not pacing Luke in, but. Uh, you know, he, he didn't need me, <laughs> him and Dwayne. So, uh, I remember I read Luke's uh, race report 
after after that another part yeah. for race reports and yeah he didn't have any ill feelings about that oh no he, he's no. the nicest guy in the world he would never have any ill feelings and i, I felt bad because he was buying i think he bought me a, a sweater and, and and stuff to thank me and i'm like luke man I, so I, I still tell him to this day i owe, I owe him a, a pacing somewhere so i think he, he was signed up for riverlands last year and i was going to go down and, and pace him but of course that was all cancelled so I still own one. I feel like I owe him a pacing. <laughs> well, like I say, you, you summed that event up so, so well. Like, it's the same experience for me, even though, like, I was, I was running it. But just being a part of that oh, event, yeah. like, in our, like, in our maritime uh, province to have that first 100-mile race. And it was, it was so f- special to be, for me to be able to finish, end up, like, giving my friend like the race director a hug with tears coming down my eyes like just because like he organized the race and then I turn and I give Lori a hug and it's just like the race directors are are your friends and then oh, yeah. the whole community is there like anyone like pretty much anyone that was a trail runner in New Brunswick Nova Scotia PEI was out like you knew everybody and everybody was so emotional at that finish they line. really were and everybody, honestly, I've never been to a race anywhere where, at least a hundred miler, where the success rate, like, and it was not an easy course. I think it was just the energy of everybody kind of knowing everybody and pitching in and getting people across that line. Like, this, like I only know a handful of people that didn't finish that race. Like, and for that many people to be running their first hundred miler and to have success is like, on a course that was pretty tough. Like it was a tough course. Yeah. It was a tough day. too. It was a tough day in that heat. And uh, it it was just, it was, it was a magical event. Like it was a world-class event. It was world-class organized. And I'm sure the next one and and all of them will be like that. But, and I honestly think that magic will be there too, because just so many people are like, it's just different. Like we're not used to having a race like that on our home turf and to have that many locals and people we know come together uh, is pretty special. I think it, they'll continue to be like that as well. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to do these, these sort of bigger, bigger event. Like this was a big event for us. Like the, this was a size, like this was an event just like you would go and travel to. Oh yeah. It's an A race. It was sure. like an A race list that would draw people from all over the country for sure. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, we don't like people always think that you need to travel to go and do one no. of these things, but it, it can be really ex- special to have that experience with your community. Oh yeah. I'm jealous of your buckle too, by the way, that's a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> it, they did a really nice job. on those Oh, buckles. they're fantastic. They're awesome. And I still say, and I said it a few times, I didn't have any business finishing that race with the oh, training that I had put you, in. But. You can't say that, man. Anybody that gets across the line, no matter how they do it, they earned it. And <laughs> there's no two ways about it. Well, it's, it was all, it was a mental race, 100%. But it was, yeah, yeah I said, if I got to 100K, I was going to finish it at that point. Yep. Got it done. It wasn't pretty. Got it done. Good on you, man. <laughs> That's a tough one. And it's a beauty of a buckle. And it was a special day. A day you'll never forget, too, right? I and I, I don't. probably similar to your Vermont buckle. Like I will often look at that and just remind myself that I can do hard things. I've worn mine every day since. I never tuck a shirt in, so nobody knows it's there but me. But I wear it like it's the, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. I it's just 
it'll always be special to me. And I, I, again, it's more the, I think, I still think about that day a lot. Like I, it's a day you'll never forget. And it's a day that will always be with you. It's, it's amazing. It kind of changes you. Like when you do something like that, it, it's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not pounding my chest or anything. It's just, you know, you can do something like that. It, it changes your, your outlook on a lot of things. Right. Well, it, it kind of just, it compounds, right? Cause I think you can really like running your first marathon changes you. Yep. And running that first 50 miler also changes you, but neither one of those experiences change you to the same extent that that hundred miler does. And it's pretty special. That's it's, yeah, it's, it's a really unique thing. And I don't think you can really explain it to someone unless they do it. Like <laughs> you can try your best and you can try to put it on paper. You can try to, you know, verbalize it, but you know, till you experience that mental and physical fatigue, <laughs> there's nothing like it. There's just there isn't really any other way to recreate that. No, yeah. I, I find it changed a lot too. Like you, it, not not that you 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 get mad, but you hear people say they're tired or, or you know. And I always say, I, I there are people that are tired in this world, and I feel for them. Like those are the, the the single parents out there that are working three jobs, four jobs, and going through you know who knows cancer treatments and what else. Like there are people that are genuinely tired, and that is tired. And then there's people that, you know, moan and complain. They didn't, they lost 15 minutes of sleep and they're tired or, you know, they had to work an extra hour or something and they're tired. Like it really puts tired in perspective when you do something like this. Um, and, and sometimes you need, I find sometimes you need to check yourself too. Like I, I'll, I can catch myself sometimes if I haven't thought it, like thought about it in a while. Like you, sometimes you might start to complain about yep. something like that and your, yep. your situation and something is tougher than you would like it to be. Yep. And I say, just look at that buckle. Like, eh, it's not so bad anymore. No. I, I can, I can do this. <laughs> I'm not really tired. <laughs> I was tired when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. Reminiscing about that day. Like, it was such a special experience. Oh, it, it is. Uh, uh, again, it's, it's tough to put it into words and it's tough to like get all the details down and uh, so many little stories and sub stories. I remember hanging out at the end until the last runners came across and I thought it, it was just, you know, pretty special to see people still coming in there like at mid midday and mid afternoon that, that, that Sunday was amazing. And I remember like, I, like, I, I finished pretty late in, in the day but I, I I passed out pretty hard after, but I I managed to get myself up and hobble back for the last couple of finishers that were coming through. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. It was awesome, really cool. What an event! Like, oh, just amazing. Oh man, it got me all anxious to get back to reconnecting at our local races again. I'm yes, really for looking sure. forward to that. Yeah. Um, I know I've had you on here for a while, but I, I want to talk definitely just for a little bit about um, Moncton trail running. So we haven't talked much about that yet. Um, so if you don't have to run, maybe we can get into that. Oh, I, I can talk all day, Rick, about running. I love it. <laughs> so I told you once you get me going, you'll be tough to to shut me up. So All right, then. So let, let's keep going for a little bit just because I, I want to get the full the full story in here. Um, so how did you 
like first get into monk like hosting Moncton trail running? Like how did that come into fruition? Uh, I think I, I, I got lucky with Moncton trail running cause um, I put, I started a Facebook page cause it, there started to be more and more people like I, but way back when I, we, we talked earlier about the, you know, the first Waskley web and stuff, there was nobody running trails in Moncton. It was like, I was the Moncton trail runner and I'm not saying that as a, I'm, I started this all cause I didn't, you know, they were here. They just were, were in the woodwork. Right. And it's the same as any place else. People have been doing this for 25 years before I even heard of it. So, and Jody and company were all doing this stuff, but there was real, no, there was really no grassroots. Hey, if I want to go for a trail run, you know, I, I had a few, like one of the guys I, I work with, uh, Scott Dorcas, he started running trails with me. And then I met up with Derek because uh, I worked with his brother and we started running uh, trails together. And, and Derek was along for, you know, thank you for a first, uh, his first 50 miler was one of the Waskley Wabbits that I was at. And then uh, when I went down to uh, one of the Tark races, I didn't finish and Derek came with me and registered for hundred K and bumped up to hundred miles and he finished. So I was there with him for his first hundred miler. So it just started to catch on in the area. Um, so I put together, uh, I guess a Facebook page um, with it just called the mountain trail running. And I, we didn't have any group runs for like a year, but I think that that by accident was key to it is I had this page going and it started to get people's attention. Like I was just posting it was, and it's also because I've been, uh, you know, reading about and 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 researching trail running and ultra running for so long. I don't have to research anything; it comes to me now. You know as well as I do. Your your Facebook feeds, your Twitter feeds, everything's running is geared towards you. So I started sharing a lot of that on the page. Just started sharing how do you you know how do you do your first run and uh, this and that and. Uh, for a year, I think I posted on it and people said, well, when are you going to have a trail run? Uh, I don't know yet. And there was always some excuse and it was mostly me. Um, and I think it was Derek or initially Derek and Scott are like, look, you got to, you know, it, it wasn't maliciously, but I think it was Derek that said, look, if you don't mind, I'd like to schedule a group run for some people and see who comes out. And, and I remember thinking, uh, okay, um, all right. Well, uh, okay. Well, I'll be there. Maybe you could do the talking type of thing. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, no, we can do this. And so we, we finally put an event up on the page and said, we're going to meet at Halls Creek on such, such a date at six o'clock. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, you know what, it's probably going to be the handful of running, be Scott and Derek and whoever else was running trail at the time, Jean-Marc and then Pat and, and a few others said, it'll probably just be a handful of people that we know and uh, that shows up, but whatever, at least we'll get together for the six of us. And then if somebody brings a friend next week and, and then the cars started to show up, it was like one car, two cars. And then it's like people introducing themselves. And, and then next thing you know, it was like 20 cars there. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, people are interested in trail running. <laughs> And so it, it, we started there and, and we didn't know what to do the first night. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how do you lead 12, 20 runners. And so we just kind of went out and we stuck together just like a group run we would do with Jody or anybody, you know, everybody just kind of stops at the intersection, waits for the last person. And um, so we, we started posting once a week um, and 
more and more people started showing up and, and it was different faces and some, you know, some people would come and it wasn't for them and new faces come the next week. But every week we were getting at least 20 some people. Wow. And I think in, in the height of it, I think our biggest night, we had 60 some people show up in the pump house parking lot. That is a big trail running group. It was a huge night. And I think I, I still said, you know, at the start of the blurb and, and people show up, typically what I do is I say, okay, you know, raise your hand if you've never been here before. And all, I think every single night uh, for the first almost two years, there was always one person that had never been there before. That's amazing. And we were doing it year round. And, you know, after a while I said, look, we can't even park at the pump house anymore just in case we're, we're monopolizing the parking lot, but we'd all go for beer after. But I, that first night I said, you know, we, we are going to run too. We're not just going to drink beer tonight because there was like a load of people there. So then, um, uh, we had to start dividing up because it was just too big a group to do, you know, wait for the last person, the intersection, the first person was waiting too long and the flies were bad. And so typically what we end up, a typical night for us now is we show up, I do a little blurb who hasn't been here before. And what we normally do is divide up into a 6k group an 8k group and a 10k group. And we're all going to be, uh, the same amount of time. We're all going to be about an hour. So that gives you an idea. Like at first it was like the slow, medium and fast group and people kind of <laughs> rub some people the wrong way. I don't want to be in the slow group. Uh, so I tried to, you know, they said, maybe you shouldn't call it the slow group because some people are getting in over their heads and they're not keeping up with the other groups. Uh, so we called it 6k, 8k and 10k and we all finished about an hour. So one group's a little faster than the other, but um, it works out. Um, but I, again, it's not, it's not really, to say it's my group is wrong because I have to have leaders every week that, you know, are used to, they have to know the trails, right? They have to know the intersections and they have to know to wait for people. So I have a, a, a crazy amount of help. There's always regulars that show up that take the groups. And when I'm not there weeks, there's people that take over and um, it's just snowballed. It's been really great. And COVID has been a bummer. It's uh Obviously, you guys we, pretty much shut down this year, didn't you? We shut down. We shut down, and uh, honestly, um, that's more me. I don't feel comfortable. Like I think there's more important things right now, keeping people safe. Than, and everybody's got a different threshold for that. I'm not saying people shouldn't be running. I'm not saying people shouldn't be group running. It's just my threshold for – it's more appearances. I don't feel like it's unsafe for us to get together and run right now. It perfectly follows – uh, the standards, they say you can have a 50 group of 50 as long as everybody's socially distanced. But, you know, if somebody drives by and they see a group of people chit-chatting it up in the parking lot and they're not two meters apart, and well, that's the Moncton Trail Running Group. They're, you know, people are tired right now. They're, you know, they're at each other and, and you know, they just want this to be over and I get that, but I don't want that to spill negatively on this group. I don't want to be, you know, even if one person um, came to the group, uh, you know, as, as athletes, we're probably, you know, more uh, likely to, to fare better with COVID. But if somebody takes that home to a parent or a young child, and who knows how that ends up, right? So it's just my person. I'm not there yet. I don't feel like I'm willing to to say Moncton Trail Running's back together and, and we're Right there and, and you don't have to be there yet. Everybody's allowed to deal and feel about this. How, yeah, you how know, you, and how you want. Yeah, yeah and I, I know personally too. I, I've been Hall's Creek was in a bit of 
seems to be in a bit of flux. Like they want to, it's one of my favorite places to run and it's been, um, it's been slated for development and I, I know I put oh, my name sad. out there. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I, I put my name out there. I know a, a journalist had called me after I posted a letter on my site to the city and I sent a letter to the city, you know, really explaining to them what's there. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't feel they really know what's there as far and as it's trails. Close, it's pretty close to the city too, right? Like, oh, it's right in the middle of the city. It's right yeah. next to U of M. Yeah. And you would, you would swear you're in the middle of fun day. Like these are prime, um, you know, single track trails, like you don't get that anywhere else. Like you go to Centennial Park, it's, you could drive a truck down, you know, Mapleton, Irish town. There's some single track there, but for the most part, they're major loops that you could drive a truck down, right? This place is like all single track and hats off the mountain biking communities probably created this and they may, they've maintained it for years, but it's like, you could go in there for a 12 to 15 K run on pure single track. And it's just gorgeous, like creeks and little bridges built. And it's amazing. It really is. So yes. I, I've kind of put my name out there with that and I wouldn't want that to be, oh, there's that, you know, guy complaining about the trails being taken away yet. He's going against COVID protocols here with a group. So I kind of feel a responsibility towards that as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get there. I, I think I'll get there. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before the, the vaccines roll out and, you know, restrictions are uh, relaxed to a point. Maybe we can get together without masks and stuff and, and well, go from there. Definitely a challenging time. And I think like we're, I'm a little bit more out in the country right now. And like, I haven't been commuting to work. Like I've been working from home and like, so I haven't been out to a group run for a while. Like they brought me back to work for a couple of weeks. Um, this was maybe like two months ago and I'd been working from home since like last March and I went to one or two group runs just because I was I was home, but it and there was nothing wrong with it. Like it's perfectly safe yep, and absolutely. everything, but still, like and it was really awesome for me to get to see all those people. But like I, I still feel like safer at home, and yep. I don't want to feel like I'm the one that brings like COVID into the house, and I want to be like not putting my parents at risk or like my brother and his little nephew at risk. So like, what's like, what is your risk tolerance for your specific situation? I guess. Absolutely. And, every, and people need to be respectful of that. Like just yeah. because one person feels a certain way, does it mean that it's going to be okay for somebody else? And that's, and that's just it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm totally, this, this is my personal uh, safety uh, my personal confidence level. I don't, I don't feel like uh, I'm there yet to have a group run. And, and um, again, not, not to, I, Hey, it's perfectly, it, it follows guidelines. You can certainly have runs. It's just, it's me that's kind of holding this up in Moncton right now. Cause I'm just not there yet. I, I, I think a little bit of it too, was that, that doctor in Northern New Brunswick that had, uh, um, when I remember when the province first went back to red and was dealing with that big outbreak and the poor guy, uh, went through, you know, trial by social media. Um, even though he, he may or may not, I don't know if he did or anything wrong, but right away he was guilty on social media of he's the guy that's, you know, responsible for this outbreak. So that scared me a little bit too. I was like, you know, things settle down and people are on edge right now. They do not want to go back to red. They don't want, that's, that's our threshold here in New Brunswick is red, orange, yellow. And 
I don't want to be the guy that puts us back into red and people are yelling and screaming at me and looking negatively on this group. So for now, we'll stay paused, um, but uh, we'll, we'll get back. But back to maybe focusing on the little bit more positive sides of, of, of the group. So what would you say has been the, I guess, the best part that's come out of uh, forming that group? Like I know you've got a lot of help that, that is contributing to the group as well, but what's, what's been the best thing to come out of that for, for you and your experience with the group? Uh, well, again, the response was overwhelming. Like to have 60 people show up for a trail run that I didn't, you know, I knew a pocket of hardcore trail runners here in Moncton. So many people come out and they've blown my mind. Like um, typically I was leading the 6k group and, and some of the more experienced runners were doing the eight and the 10k group because mostly those were experienced runners anyway, hopping in these groups. Uh, so uh, they kind of knew the trails, but a lot of the, the runners I would encourage that came the first night and had never trail run to stick with our group. And it just blew my mind. Like, you know, people, are, I had no idea these trails were here. Oh, I, I like to trails, but I don't like to come out by myself. And so just to, to see that the, the, the breadth of, of people coming out that, you know, some of them are like I've never run before. And, 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 you know, uh, I've lived here my whole life around the corner and didn't know this trail network was here. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. And and to see a lot of those people come out week in, week out. And next thing you know, they're up in the 8k group. And the next thing you know, they're up leading the 10k group, like, you know, several months later. Um, and it's going to be really special to see that progression take place. right? It is, it is awesome. And, and just, I think I've been out on the trails in fun day twice, two or three times this winter. And every single time I met up with a group from Moncton trail running, that were out doing their own thing. Like, Oh, we're out training. And, and I seen a group of, uh, of the Moncton trail runners last year. Uh, I think it was actually towards the end of the COVID they um, had organized their own uh, group run and, and run their longest group run. I think it was on the Dobson or something like that, that they did a, you know, 50 K or 60 K run on their own. Like, That's and awesome. these were folks that, that, you know, they might've been road runners or they might've been uh, maybe not even to running at all. And here they are, you know, out running these crazy distances by themselves, organizing it all and the trails are open and off they go. Like, it's really, really cool to see people show up and show up for the right reasons and progress and, it's awesome. Like even to go to a, an event and see so many people that are from the group at, at particular events. I mean, less, less and less this past year, but um, you know, it used to be, Oh, Blair and, and Scott or Blair and Derek were the only guys from Moncton showed up. And then next thing you know, I think it was one of the son of a gun races. There was a ton of people from Moncton at that race. We might've been one of the biggest factions there. So it's really cool to see. And I, I don't think, again, I think it probably would have happened one way or another, right? You know, trail running's now on the cover of every road running magazine. You can't look at Canadian running. I think every edition is like a, a, a trail edition or something. Uh, so it's really catching on in general. I think maybe this might facilitate it or fast track it, but I think it was going to happen one way or another anyway. Well, I think it just it goes to you, it goes to just say that you guys put together something that is really special, and when you do that, it, it can't help but be successful. Yeah, and there was another cool thing too. Is um, 
I had a guy call me out of the blue from uh, PEI and he said, Hey, I heard you got a trail running group and how did you make it successful? I heard you got crazy numbers showing. I'm like, Whoa, where did you hear about this type of thing? And, and it was really neat because he actually ended up trying to remember the name of the outdoor store over there. It's escaping me, but he, he wanted to do it in conjunction with the store. I think he might've worked there. And uh, yeah, he, he, I messaged him, like I followed up like a few months later, I said, how's it going? He's like, oh yeah, we got a group going and, and we're meeting on whatever nights. And I was really cool. I was like, wow, that, that's really neat. You heard about our group and, and uh, asked for feedback and started your own group. So, you know, we're not, we're not the inventors of <laughs> trail running groups, that's for sure. But uh, just for someone else to have heard about our particular group and to, to uh, ask for how to get started was, was a really cool experience as well. That's amazing. And I say, I, I hope that you guys are able to get back to it. Like when, when uh, the situation permits, and I think that people will be very much looking forward to it, to it coming back, but you say it's, it's got to feel right. And it'll, it'll, it will happen. We'll get back there. Yep. We will. You just gotta, just gotta ride it out. We're 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 getting yeah. close. <laughs> we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost right. there. We're not quite sure we're there as yet, but we've got to be going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, I think we pretty much did it. Um, I like to end things just with asking a question or two to kind of sum up some of the topics that we've been we've been talking about. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fire it at you. Uh, so what's the biggest piece of advice that you've got for somebody that is looking to, I guess, get into trail and ultra running? They're looking to really ramp up their, their distance. They're really excited about it. They're really jazzed about the scene and they're just biting at the, the bit to get going. Uh, I probably just what what got me going on it and and what I I said earlier is you got to check yourself and just relax and have fun like if it's you know don't I would recommend not at least for your first trail race is getting a crazy program that you got to follow just go out for time on your feet have throw throw your watch away if you want to like go out and keep it fun find new trails to keep it adventurous like to me, that's really the only reason I train now is to go out on weekend adventures or go pace somebody. And, you know, I can't wait to, you know, go for that first fun day loop. And, and, and it's just about getting outside. And the other big thing is I stop a lot now is, is my pace is slower and I probably can't run with too many people. So I'm constantly by myself taking pictures and I take a ton of pictures when I'm out there. Like, I, I, I see something. I'm like, wow, that is so awesome. I can't wait to show that to my family when I get home, or I can't wait to post that. And maybe someone will come and run this trail because not everybody can get out there. Um, so you just don't take yourself too seriously. Don't get too caught up in the details. Just keep it adventurous and keep it fun. And, and, you know, you're doing this for fun. You're not doing this for a job. You're not doing it for a sponsorship. Just have fun. Keep it fun. I love it. That's very wise words. And say, if, if it's not, if you're not, if you're not having fun, then what's the point? Right. Oh, totally. Like, you, you know, 
I always I, I laugh at people that go out and throw their golf bag around and smash their golf clubs. I'm like you're paying a lot of money to be aggravated, man. <laughs> you got to have some fun, you know. Keep it fun. All right. Uh, so the last question: What do you or what can you say to somebody that I guess kind of like your yourself? Like, not necessarily with with ultras, but somebody that used to do something and really passionate about doing it, but they're not able to participate in it the same way that they once could. And like that is a hard thing to have to deal with. And you've been able to come out the other side of it. And you're having fun. You're enjoying it. But I can imagine that not everybody gets there. Yeah, um, I, I will admit, like when I first, you know, started experiencing this, uh, these stomach issues, <clears throat> I was kind of like the the alcoholic at a party. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to events right now. If I can't, if I can't do them, I don't want to go. <laughs> um, I think you got to get past that hump and just do it once. Just show up and volunteer for one race or, you know, a one group run or something. Like, try to give back in some way. Go pay somebody. You know, volunteer at an event or pay somebody, and I think it'll totally, totally change your your attitude. Like to me, like I said, that that Capes 100 might be one of the, the most special uh, events I've ever been to, and I've been. This is my it'll be like 10 years of ultra running this year, uh, and it was it took the cake. Like, and I didn't I didn't run that race. I I, I paced and volunteered and and had an amazing time. So. Uh, or, you know, go to a running group and help somebody else along, you know, show somebody a trail. Like there's a million and one ways to give back. Um, and I, I, I personally feel like I owe it back. I've gotten so much out of this that I owe it back to people. I've been running the races. I should be helping them. Uh, I have no aspirations to race direct. I don't think that's for me, but you know, this running group, I, I'm quite happy to show anybody a trail or uh, to, you know, host a group run, uh, anything like that, that gets people out and gets people involved and um, I'm all for it. But, you know, you, you, I guess ask yourself why you liked it in the first place. And if just because you can't do it anymore in some way doesn't mean you can't be a part of it in another. Um, that is well said. Very well said. Yeah. And I think there, there's a lot of power in the giving back and paying it forward. And it really helps you reconnect with like you said why why you fell in love with it in the first place yeah i mean it wasn't always about the events like you know i'm sure it had to be something about yourself or you know the community or uh, so there's no shortage of people needing help at events there's no shortage of people needing pacers there's no shortage of people needed to be shown a trail or um, anything like that so there's lots of ways to help and stay involved amazing I love sitting down and talking with you, Blair. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your night to do this. I really appreciate it. And Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love this concept. It's fantastic. I appreciate that. And I look forward to when our bubble is back and maybe you can take a trip down to New Brunswick and we can hook up and find you or something. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you later, man. Bye. 
Alright, so what did you guys think of that one? I personally think that Blair is a pretty amazing and just genuinely uh, kind human. One other thing that really rung true for me on, on this one is that sometimes when you have this vision or this dream or a certain way that you see yourself participating or, or just doing something, and it just, it's just not going the way that you wanted it to, and you find you're just not able to do it with the same way that you wanted it to, doesn't mean that you have to give up on that dream entirely. And, and sometimes when you come back around and figure out how you can participate in that or you can still do that activity, even though it might be a little different than you originally envisioned, it doesn't mean that it's still not going to be awesome. The thing is, it might even be better than what you originally thought. If you enjoyed the show and you want to show your support, the best thing that you can do is subscribe and leave a review. If you've already done that, then it would mean so much to me if you share this episode with your friends on social media. I love seeing posts or getting tagged in people's stories. It's really awesome. I really need your help to grow the show in order to make this sustainable so I can keep bringing you conversations with real runners in our community who are out there doing amazing things. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time.